Welcome to Great Minds for this very special focused episode on a show that has just opened at the Young Vic in London, an iconic theater. Uh, and it is a real privilege to have Lavoyo Madassa here. Lavoyo is part of the Mandela family. He is one of the producers of Mandela the Musical. Uh, now playing in London at the Young Vic. Uh, we uh, saw the show last week, Lavoyo, and were there on the opening night for all the producers and friends and family. It was the night of a lifetime. And uh, it is a privilege uh, to be talking to you here live from Johannesburg. So this is part of our New York to Johannesburg <laughs> bridge that we have built. So welcome, Lavoyo. Thank you very much, Matt. And thank you for having me on the show. I look forward to our conversation. And thank you for making it out to London, man. It was great to have you on the fifth. That was wonderful. Well, it was a it was a privilege for Isla and I to to be there, uh, most genuinely. So usually on Great Minds, we sort of jump around quite a bit. I think what we love to do today, Lavoya, is really talk about the show, uh, and uh, it's an incredible story. The assembly of talent, what you and Nandy and the Borowski brothers and the other producers, Brian and Dana, of course, have put together as a world-class team. And one of the things that I, I think is, is just so fantastic is not only is the talent on stage world-class, but the talent behind the curtain is world-class. And you very purposefully put together a world-class team. So let's start kind of anywhere you want, but I'd love to just tell the story of how Mandela, the musical went from an idea, which goes back quite some time to the Young Vic, where it's now playing again, night after night, standing ovations, Mandela, the musical. <laughs> so give us the story, Lavoyo. let's hear it. Sure. So... Um, I was approached maybe some eight years ago by two brothers, Greg and Sean Borowski. And I just happened to know them as well from just the circles that we'd been in. And finally, they they got up the courage to reach out to me and be like, hey, uh, we got this idea. We would love to do a musical about your great-grandfather. And at first I was very skeptical um, because I mean, they themselves were in different careers at the time. So uh, a, a joke that I sometimes tell that, uh, so Greg is a qualified chartered accountant and Sean has been putting on great um, experiential marketing events in South Africa and you know had been quite successful at that. And that's how I actually know these two guys. So them coming to me with this idea of doing a musical just because they had been theater hopping out on the West End and had gone to a few um, Broadway shows. It was just like, you guys can't be serious. So, you know, tried to brush them off politely. And they were just so persistent. So one time they actually finally get me to head over to their older brother's place, Wayne. And the idea was to have me listen to the music that they put together. And at the time, Greg was breaking into the music space. He had recorded a few songs that were doing quite successfully in South Africa, was working on a deal with one of the uh, major global record labels and was preparing to pack up, you know, this very comfortable, very successful career as a chartered accountant and make his way over to the U.S. 
And of course, they needed, you know, the backing of a family member in order to start doing and putting some serious work and investment into into this piece. So bear in mind um, what we celebrated at the Young Vic on the 5th of December was essentially for close families and friends and people who supported the project for some time. Um, it was an invitation to people like yourself who had believed in the project before. Many others hopefully will be getting on board after the showing at the Young Vic. It was an opportunity to celebrate that milestone at the Young Vic, right? But appreciate that the brothers, um, as of the 5th of December, have essentially been on this project for 17 years. And their conversation with me was just the culmination of them feeling confident that, hey, man, we've got enough music to hopefully show people how serious we are about this. So these are all music um, and lyrics that are written from different things that they've you know, spent a significant amount of time researching, getting a hold of that material, translating it into music. So anyway, the idea was we were meant to go over to their brother Wayne's place. I think he had probably the best sound system in so far as making sure that, you know, we can hear the power of the music. They play the first track and I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is this is something worthless. They play the second track. By the fifth track, I'm convinced, but I don't want to, you know, show um, show my hand. So they're not necessarily getting the reaction that they're wanting from me. So it's the sixth track. And I mean, by the end of the night, they made it through all 11 tracks. And I was like, okay, let me see what I can do. Let me, you know, speak to several people in the family and let's see who would be interested in taking on this, this project. It's in the arts and entertainment space. And admittedly, outside of taking theater in, in college, I'm not in this industry. I'm not familiar with it. So I don't want to get involved and tank the project just because I'm giving the wrong kind of advice. Long story short, I finally get my mother equally to listen to the music. She has some trusted um, people. She sits on the board of the Guazulu Natal Philharmonic Orchestra. And she had the composer and orchestra um, director have a listen to the music because, I mean, it's a space that she's familiar with. He also was convinced that, you know, this thing has got some legs, so let's see what's going, what we can actually put behind it. And fast forward to eight years later, um, we're, we're essentially having opening night at the Young Vic. And I mean, it's been a very interesting journey. Um, you spoke about the talent that's that's not on the stage uh, behind the scenes. So we've got Leona Michael, um, who did a great job with the book. Um, and Shelley Williams, who's been the director and getting everyone, you know, around the piece. And of course, Gregory McCormick, who's come on board from the choreography perspective. And I think that, that power behind the scenes, who can interpret the story, who can interpret what um, was initially a passion project. And I think the level of investment the brothers have done, um, if we think about uh, Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours, I and mean, we're talking about 17 years, right? So they've put in the work. Um, they may not be known names, but they've been committed. They've been taking on the feedback that my mother and I and various other family members have given through us to various different components and what's been translated to what people are now experiencing on stage. 
And um, it's just been very encouraging. And of course, the talent on stage. I mean, that that part of it has been mind blowing, right? Um, appreciate for, so my my mother, of course, was, was out there, along with her older sister who came to see the show on the 8th, which was the press night, Undilega um, Monday. And one of, without giving out too much, um, one of the characters is their father, my grandfather, who passed away in a tragic um, car accident while Matiba was in prison. And seeing that reenacted for the first time and, and, and watching them take that in, watching them process that, watching the the pain that they still hold. So they were very young. Um, Momkulu is who I call is what I call um, Tilega. It's uh, essentially big sister to my mother. And um, she saw it for the first time on the 8th. And my and she was four when my grandfather passed away. My mother was 18 months. And seeing them process that and seeing the, um, the palpable pain that they had to deal with was, was something that was bittersweet because you could also see that there was strength in them supporting one another. There was resilience in them being shoulder to shoulder and actually seeing their father's memory captured in this piece and their father's role in the family before passing being captured in this piece. And hopefully over time, there'll be closure in that. And th these are but the small bits and pieces, the brothers and the team that we've just spoken about were able to capture and bring to life on stage. And as much as it's a story about us as a family, there are many other families who names, sadly, we'll never know, who made greater sacrifices. It wasn't just the distance of a father being imprisoned for standing up for you know people's rights along with his comrades and not being able to bury um, his son. It was people whose families lost multiples by committing to the struggle, you know, during the the stand against apartheid in um, the conscription that we had from a liberation perspective in Tumkondo West Caesar. And there were other movements, Poco uh, by the PAC that aren't generally spoken about. Um, there was the work that was being done by Steve Biko uh, that we get to see the protests in terms of the black consciousness movement and young people getting to an appreciation that we as Africans should be allowed to learn in our own mother tongue and have and not be forced for our guns to be the main medium, which would have rendered us hopelessly dependent on the apartheid government. And in the absence of being proficient in English, would have made it very difficult for us to engage with the community outside of South Africa, the global community, without um, that level of engagement. So it touches on um, very briefly on some of those issues. But we, we were quite intentional about telling the family story, the story about a human being who was taken away from his family for standing up for what he believed was right. A human being who had to be away again from the South Africa that he was trying to lead, um, of course, by election and so far as the various different people who were involved in the African National Congress and all the other liberation movements, as I've mentioned, 
who had identified him as the, the figurehead of the movement. But through him, we hope to be telling a story of all those who were involved. And through this piece, we hope to spark the kind of interest where people can then go and invest and say, well, if it was a movement and he was the figurehead, who else was involved and what aren't we aware of and what should we be investing in getting to learn, understand, appreciate and bring back to life so that we have a fuller history about how we've arrived to the South Africa that we are right now. And the South Africa, we still have a great responsibility to make sure that we become because there's a great level of a sign of relief and almost complacency that's crept in since democratization. But again, it, it's in pieces like this where people can say, huh, well, shucks, these guys were just handing over the baton. The job was by no way stretch of the imagination done. So what can and should I be doing in my sphere of influence with the people that I have, you know, immediate contact with and can actually hopefully spur into getting involved in, in taking South Africa to where it can still become. Such an incredible story. So just to recap a bit, the idea is about 17 years old. It took the brothers a long time to get up the gumption or bravery to come and see you and present their ideas. Uh, Wayne, such a special guy also, uh, and uh, gave me the biggest hug last Monday night. And we had never met before. You and I says, both. All right, but we, we all know each other, even those of us that have never physically been in the same room. Uh, they then develop it further. We met through a phone call, mutual friend, Yase, uh, then yep. with the Nelson Mandela, yeah. <laughs> then with the Nelson Mandela Foundation, and Yase had called me it was about a little over three years ago, and said that Nandi, your mom, and and yourself were going to be in New York, uh, and they want to see you. The funny part of the story is we had no idea what the agenda was, literally none. <laughs> and then you showed up at my house uh, with Greg and Sean and a laptop, and at some point during lunch, you pull out the laptop and start playing the music. And Lavoya, it was absolutely mind-blowing. With our fury as a potent weapon There will be more bloodshed The state must rape everything it sowed They must know we will not retreat We will make them reckon He's right We have no choice but to change our cause Exactly The time has come to create a force and fight fire with fire Fire! No other way to fight fire but fire and the immediate conclusion we came to was this must be what it was like if you were in Lin-Manuel Miranda's kitchen in Washington Heights 10 years ago when he first played the early cuts from Hamilton. And I believe that Mandela, now running at the Young Vic, has that power, has that uniqueness, has that emotion and tells an incredible story, as you said, not only of the man and his uh, focus primarily on his life just before he went to prison and the 27 years in prison, but also tells the story of a family. Uh, and I cannot imagine the emotion for your mom, Nandy, who's so lovely, and her older sister seeing that scene where their father passed away. I think he was only 24 years old when he died of a, car, of a car crash and the emotion of a 
father, in this case, Nelson Mandela, not being able to go to the funeral of his own son. Incredible. So talk, talk about that, you know, let's break down the journey a little bit more. Um, we were together three years ago, we had the pandemic, nobody gave up. Talk about that journey, Brian and Dana come into the picture. Uh, you start to put the creative team together. Give us a little bit more detail there on how it all came together. So we, we before the brothers went over to the U.S., um, we had a sit down and we said, all right, guys, please appreciate that these are the parameters we'd like you to tell the story within because of we've heard more than enough about the political environment and there's, there's material abound if people actually want to engage that side of the man. And that inadvertently make the, makes the journey a bit hard, harder for the brothers, right? Because now we're, we're, we're asking them to tell a very contained, and bear in mind it, it was definitely something that they already had um, in, so, in so far as the songs they had put together. They had already pre-crafted, but we said, all right, this is actually quite brilliant because this is the opportunity of telling the family story. So appreciate that now you're trying to get investors on board for the developmental piece. You're trying to get various different theaters to take it on. You're South African that started with the music and are needing to write the book. So um, our understanding of the, the industry and the environment is that you start with the book and then you musicalize the work. So identifying um, other writers who had taken on the piece and the journey that landed us with Leona was interestingly something that I always reflect on and think to myself, well, shucks, this must have been the kind of life, albeit not as life-threatening, but the kind of life Aura Tambo must have been on, Oliver Tambo, in terms of saying, hey, there's this idea that we have, right? So it's a moral right that we want to make sure that our people are liberated and sort of kind of have an idea and you're taking it to different people. So it was one of those things that, you know, with the brothers and the mandate, it was, hey, guys, please, you know, contain it within this space. Let's find people who are interested in telling a different story about this man, because in so doing, we are hopefully making it more accessible to everyone who is a father, is a son, is a brother, you know, sister, etc. So th that was also one of the, the more compelling parts of, of that um, conversation. So and the brothers land in New York, and again, they're doing a fair amount of relationship building, they're meeting different people, um, people who've taken uh, us on as advisors to the piece who are saying, well, you know, tighten up this part, uh, make sure that you bring a lot more of these elements. And each relationship, each conversation has led to the next person on board. And it, it's when we essentially um, get to a point of, this is pre-COVID, get to a point of um, a live read at the Lincoln Center in New York that we, we start actually seeing the legs that it has. And again, thank you to all the talent that was involved in bringing their voices and actually started to have those components where those could be recorded and in essence now refining the piece to getting it where it is. 
And then it was through a, a, a meeting the brothers had with getting Gregory Makoma, because now we're saying, okay, that we have, we believe we have a strong enough book to start bringing this to stage. So when you bring it to stage, it's gone from live static read. Um, you know, of course you get the benefit of the power of the voices, but now you need to, you need to bring life, you need to bring motion into this thing. And these guys then said, hey, Gregory Makoma, let's, let's, let's get him on board. So we say, all right, again, you're the you're the folks with you're in the driving seat. So let's see how your conversation goes. Gregory, here's the piece. Um, have our conversations. He's on board, and he's like, I understand that you've got some interesting conversations stateside in New York, but I think we can get this to England. And of course, that wasn't part of the initial strategy. I mean, the brothers had put everything together. And again, at that point, we have Brian and Dana on board who, um, it, it was another one of their up and down trips, chance meeting. They reach out to these guys and they're on board. They hear it and they're like, all right, this is something we can work with. So they, they back it. So <clears throat> appreciate at this point in time, pre-COVID, um, we have some very promising conversations with some developmental theaters, some people who are interested in taking this. Sorry about the noise in the background. There's some people who are interested in taking it to, um, you know, the Midwest and some of the the developmental theaters that are out there. So we're we're there, um, essentially getting all of these options thrown at us, and we keep on saying, "You guys are on the ground." So, so what do you think can happen? Then, as you said, COVID hits, and of course, now there's the concern of the pandemic. We don't know when theaters are going to open up again. We don't know whether or not this um, investment and all the partners that we have on board, we're going to be able to revive the interest once um, you know things open back up. And as you said, the brothers just stuck to it. They kept the conversations and the relationships live. They kept Mandela top of mind to folks. And then, as I mentioned, the meeting with Gregory, and he's saying, all oh, well and good, appreciate the work that you guys have done, but there's this guy that I know that I think you guys should meet with. So he facilitates a meeting with the artistic director of the young Vic, Kwame, and Kwame is like, come, I'm on board, we'll make this happen. All you need to do is whatever strategy you had in mind, whatever plan you had in mind, let's take it to London. So they bring this back to us, and here's just like, Again, we trust you guys. We trust the relationships that you've built, but what does that now mean for the investors, the budget? And of course, you need to be prudent while you're going through this journey. You cannot just be making decisions um, by the whim. So again, we had the, the important conversations as the team. We get behind it and say, all right, what are the options we, we have? Where do people sit? Are some of the interests in the developmental theaters? that were interested pre-COVID, are those relationships still warm? And interestingly enough, they were still warm, but we have this person who's saying, listen, not just am I wanting you over at the Young Vic, but I want to headline with this piece. So bring it over. We'll give you the backing that we give pieces that are at the stage that you're in. And I want to put you front and center because of what we believe is the power of the story. And true to the word and true to the journey, we hop over the pond to to the UK and in London, and the guys hit the ground running. They get the auditions running. They get 
the talent on board. And then we started hearing that, you know, we have Michael who, who played Hamilton, who we're casting for this piece. So now I'm like, maybe this is, you know, the theatrics behind us. Now, you know, we, are we getting too ahead of ourselves, right? Um, can we really attract someone to this piece? And Michael, Danielle, um, Posse, and, you know, the, the cast that is, when you speak to them, it's 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 kind of crazy to hear people and when you see them actually bring the characters to life. It's crazy to hear people make comments like, there's nothing else I'd rather be doing right now. That's how important this story is to me. And this is not understudy talent, right? This is this is talent that's in that's been in, as I've said, um that's been in Hamilton and, and other pieces of that nature. And to hear them connect with the characters, to hear them connect with the version of the story we're trying to tell, or the perspective, the the, the home man, the, the family man's part of the story that we're trying to tell, to hear them connect with that and see them bring it to life that the way the way that they've done has been magical. And I think again, it's it's a tribute to the work, definitely by Shelley, by Leona, by Gregory, that they've added to um, the piece ever since they've been involved. But it's a testament to the power of the story that the brothers wanted to tell. Because again, they could have pitched the obvious, you know, let, let's get him, you know, doing the political speeches, the the material that's out there about you know, in various different YouTube clips, et cetera, that are out there. But they they took they took <laughs> they took a chance on going against the grain. Right. They, they they had to develop this. They had to find they had to find the letters that were written to the children and the different family members and, and connect with that and make sense of how to translate that into a story that can hang those twenty seven years together. Right, it, it's almost like the making of, right? And if you think of the, the hero or the villain story, you need to you need to get to figure out that backstory. And we we have material that that tells a fair amount of the story of you know childhood into um, where he became the political leader. But it's those quiet moments when the, the doubt creeps in, right? It's it's it's, it's missing your wife. Because my goodness, you're married. You 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 promised each other you're going to spend the rest of your lives together, and a principle you both believe in is the one thing that actually keeps you apart, the significant part of your union. Um, it's the 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 silent promise a father makes to his children to always be there for them as long as he physically can. And again, while equally trying to hold to principle to values finding yourself needing to decide do I compromise principle and values for the sake of being there or do I stick to it because of a commitment I made not only to my comrades but the very many people out there who believe in him being the figurehead of this um, movement this liberation movement and to reconnect with that story in a way that hopefully unfortunately in South Africa there's a young generation because of I would sadly say how we don't have, like in the U.S., history as mandatory. 
um, we don't teach history as mandatory in South Africa. And a lot of young people, by virtue of that, have disconnected with the reality that the um, leaders of the various different liberation movements and the various different wings of the multi-pronged strategic um, effort to, to make sure that South Africa would one day be liberated. They've disconnected with that. They don't understand it. And you're hearing young people by virtue of not having access to that history, that material, saying things like Madiba and his comrades were sellouts simply because we have not been able to take the foundation we were given and elevate the level of service delivery, elevate the level of commitment, the level of determination to make South Africa the the country that delivers on its constitutional promise to all who live in it. Now, hopefully this piece, again, will get them into a space where they can reconnect with that and understand how wherever you decide to apply your talents, it's about making sure that South Africa becomes that that common country that, you know, like our constitution claims, um, is able to give everyone a, a space to express their talents and take their rightful place in the, the, the global family of nations. Well, it's an incredible story. And um, the show is magical. Uh, the way they told it, I think so brilliantly, they really did create a show and you said it, Lavoyo, for everyone. And uh, we wish you only the best in this run, initial run at the Young Vic. I know there's a great vision for the show to go to the West End and to come to Broadway here in America and to tour the world uh, and for it to live for many, many, many years uh, and uh, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to have this conversation. I'd love to do a part two with you and talk about your work with Reimagine South Africa, uh, which I think is another story that we should tell here on Great Minds. Uh, but for today, we are thrilled to share some of the story of how Mandela went from an idea to on stage at the Young Vic in London. Uh, uh, I can't wait to get back. We. Uh, uh, I'm hoping it gets extended a week. That's sort of, then we can go on the way to Advertising Week Africa. That's sort of the plan that we're hoping for. But if not, we will do whatever, we will do whatever it takes to get back there uh, sometime in the next uh, few weeks. And I uh, can't thank you enough. And it was a joy to spend time with you and Nandy uh, last week in London. Thank you for the love. Thank you for the warm embrace. Thank you for this platform. Um, and thank you for including our story and the many stories that you're telling in Great Minds. Um, I think it's a it's a very welcoming platform, and thank you for this conversation. And I look forward to reconnecting one with you back in London, but then again also when you're in South Africa for Advertising Week. So look forward to that, and of course we'll get that next episode with Reimagine SM. We absolutely will. All right, Lavoyo. Thanks, buddy. Cheers, Matt. Thanks. Much appreciated. Huzzah!